I want to put out a big thank you to everyone who's listening and everyone who's been with us from the beginning. If you would like to help us with editing costs, we have finally started a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash friendsin. <laughs> Do we have to say forward slash? Does anybody use a backslash ever anymore? <laughs> no, we don't really have to say forward Patreon. slash. Patreon.com slash friendsin. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> you're family. Please consider donating whatever you think these episodes are worth to you. <laughs> I like that one. Nothing. <laughs> Basically, if you donate any amount, you get access to all the bonus, premium, exclusive, after dark, <laughs> after behind dark. the paywall episodes. I like that one. Uncut. Uncensored. VIP. Welcome. Hello and welcome. Hi. This is <laughs> the first in-person episode of Friend Sims since... We think episode two. That's right. Uh-huh. Our best episode. So the bar is set high. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. definitely going to be high quality stuff. This is happening because we're all here back in the hometown in Colorado uh, for maybe, I don't want to say for Christmas because it takes like two months to edit these and that <laughs> yeah. would make it sound dated. What's, yeah. a, what's a holiday for that the, comes out? Nothing months? comes out. For I, the holidays. For, uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is what we do. That's right. We all bro, come, the bros Valentine's come Day. home, we leave our girlfriends, <laughs> come home to chill for V-Day. So <laughs> this is our, our, spe- our V-Day special. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that's really Coming up, you guys. <laughs> Every so often, all we're all here at the same time. Yeah. Um, so we kind of like took a lead off of first base last night and kind of blew our load a little bit because we were playing Smash mm-hmm. over at Jimmy's house. We were all hyped up. And we were talking about a bunch of stuff, but yeah, I'd like to talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd like to go. I still want to go over it again because I'm trying to like consider more what you guys talked about. And... Our last episode was all about aliens. I, f- I mean, I kind of like played the fedora tipping skeptic for that episode but since then i've been kind of on a kick i've been reading stuff and you guys have sent a bunch of links and (laughs) (laughs) some compelling stuff i'm i want to believe you've kept your words about you though yeah yeah. you're not just gonna deep dive into that you know yeah the whole thing but it really it's a good starting point that can kind of tentacle out into a bunch of different topics that aren't even necessarily about extraterrestrials or our common depiction of aliens at all but more like sort of metaphysical and spiritual questions which are interesting Hmm. yeah sometimes the best podcasts we ever record are not recorded Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely feel like the alien subject matter like it's got some real long tentacles for sure yeah Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard of uh, Poseidism? I can't believe I didn't bring this up in the last episode, but Pose- like Poseid, like the ocean, Poseidon not like kind of? Poseidon. No. P O S A D. It's basically like oh. alien communism. It's the <laughs> idea that for a species to uh, develop to a point where it's capable of interplanetary or interstellar travel, there are groups, there are like like sub uh, cultures within communism that believe they would first have to have arrived at like a utopian you know post-scarcity mm. distribution of resources so the idea that alien you know i mean we talked a little bit about how like there's this sort of eurocentric projection on aliens as you know in invading colonizers which is maybe grounded too much in our own history it's kind of it's like a very goofy 
but also fun idea uh, that, you know, aliens would be commies and would come here only once we also reach a state of equitable, inclusive distribution of of resources Mm -hmm. and then would help us. I think they actually believe that aliens would come and, like, help us usher in a new era and defeat, you know, opposing ideologies or something like that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. kind of cool. That's exciting. Whoa, that is. Yeah. Think about, they'll, pick a, they'll actually pick a side. Yeah, like, be right. part of the Chinese side then. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> China and the aliens versus the world. CCC or whatever. Chinese <laughs> communists. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also used to be trans kind of i used to be trans transhumanist yeah <laughs> um, you coming I, out i think it kind of often coincides yeah. with like the libertarian phase uh-huh. which you know i mean i've heard people say that they've never gone through a libertarian phase but i think it's what most people do at some point in like your education usually late high school to early college you encounter these ideas and you, you know it's like a sort of immature ideology that you have to pass through the same way like they say people go through a a latency phase in terms of like sexual psychology (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah i remember believing just like being excited about the concepts of transhumanism especially in the way that they sort of you know i remember that i remember that when you guys were all excited about it yeah, I remember, and I, I, I even got excited about it for a little bit, you know. I'm, I'm like really against that kind of stuff. I'm more of like try to be the naturalist in the group. I alternate. The play. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you always have. I think yeah. for the most part, I just speak of naturalism. The naturalist, but I definitely alternate between like transhumanist and then full like Ted Ted Kaczynski was right, you know, luddite. Yeah. The the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. Yeah. Some more alien stuff. Um, I watched some of the links that Jimmy sent okay. about um, about viewing. I watched the Vice one in the eighties, 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 ladies one was was nice. That was a very beautiful account. Yeah, her experience was you know whether you believe in what she was saying or not. It was like. Yeah. Well, I think there have also been accounts of you know. A remote viewing spies too who have found like they'll, they'll get like you know like a coordinates in an envelope and they won't even know where it is and then but you know they're just asking their remote viewer to describe what's going on there and it's oh, somewhere in Russia that they can't see it's classified and they will describe these really detailed oh, cool. subs that have been being built like nuclear subs it's almost always like a nuclear factory like back during World War II when both sides were researching all kinds of kind of woo stuff like the men who stare at goats thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's related. I, I think this even went well in, through the Cold War. Like, it continued on. And it, yeah. Oh, definitely. So that's the thing is, like, programs like, um, you know, MK Ultra, which were looking into mm-hmm. mind control techniques, they all, at a certain point, closed up shop and said, yeah, we're not researching this anymore because uh, it doesn't work. But I don't think that's it at all. I think a lot of it, definitely does work uh-huh. and you know that was when they really started the rollout um and the transition to the private sector for mk ultra stuff yeah the private sector yeah for what i don't know what would be the purpose i mean i don't know what that's the point but it's got to be some purpose yeah i can give you another example okay so have you heard of dead internet theory uh, no i don't know if this is actually true but this is where the rabbit hole started uh, for me looking into this um, and it's this idea that a large majority of the internet is actually not real people it's bots and they kind of algorithmically roll out you know 
opinions into the mainstream and more often than you think you're interacting with not a real person like the funniest example would be something like you remember that site ashley madison that was like oh like a social network for having an affair right um and then there was like a hack and a bunch of names leaked uh-huh. Uh, among which were some very funny, like, public figures and, like, hypocritical examples. There was, I remember that YouTube couple. Oh, <laughs> like, that's one, that's really funny one. Really yeah. cringe couple, uh, and it uh, turned out that they were... YouTube family life is another interesting yeah. um, rabbit hole. But that's where I started, and then I started reading about, I mean, you've heard of, like, DARPA, yeah, which is the Advanced public research. sector military program that developed what eventually turned into the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And... There was a project within DARPA, um, a DOD project called LifeLog. The objective of LifeLog was, quote, to be able to trace the threads of an individual's life in terms of events, states, and relationships, um, and have the ability to, you know, take in mm. all your experience, you know, phone number. This is pre-internet, but yeah. or maybe not pre-internet, but early internet. Um, and it would collect phone numbers that you dialed and email messages um, everywhere you went, um, and, you know, everything you did. And LifeLog was shuttered and ended the day before Facebook launched. <laughs> mm. Like, well, we figured it out. Yes. We're just going to use this. But they said, oh, yeah, LifeLog, yeah, we're not looking into that anymore. It didn't work. It wasn't, like, oh, that's so of interest to us. Oh, and then there was another DARPA project called Total Information Awareness, which they've said LifeLog had nothing to do with. But TIA <laughs> was mm-hmm. a mass detection program um, that operated under that title until May 2003, where the name was changed from Total Information Awareness to Terrorism Information Awareness, because that was when the post-9-11, mm. you know, cultural climate was allowing a premise for the rollout of expansion of the surveillance state. Yeah, mm. yeah. Patriot Act era. Right, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, so I always thought of it like the government paid money to the private sector to develop tools that they could use in war for weapons and that's what DARPA did in my experience like when uh-huh. we were funded by DARPA for some of the studies we did but we it never it never occurred when I was in the sleep friends lab friends in podcast no <laughs> uh, yeah let's do a quick ad break um, <laughs> DARPA the mission of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency DARPA is to make pivotal investments in breakthrough technologies for national security <laughs> we'd like to thank DARPA for <laughs> um it was uh a sleep lab, but like you hook up like electrodes into people's brains, and while they're sleeping, and measure their sleep waves, and then stimulate them at certain times, mm-hmm. and see if it enhanced their memory. And so we give them these memory games afterwards mm-hmm. when they woke up. Pictures of people in a building, but the building was clearly a building in like the Middle East, and oh. the, the pictures was clearly shooting. Like it was supposed to be like a gun. You know? So they were like oh, gamifying. Right the war on terror using these subjects yeah just seeing if they were better at memorizing where where the guy would be at any in any given moment and the the stimulation was was uh barely noticeable to most participants but some participants actually felt it and discontinue wow discontinue and um but it was like deep brain stimulations Mm -hmm. electrodes and it was proven to be efficacious like it it increased the ability to remember to remember things because like you're stimulating that part of the brain during the REM cycle, which is where you are consolidating memories. Right. Yeah. 
and uh, you're stimulating it during the testing as well, I think. But they did all kinds of cool tests like that, but that's funny that even though I was involved, I, I never thought of it in terms of the government selling ideas back to the private sector for well, use. By I also heard sector. Um, from a CIA agent that the CIA came up with the CIA search engine and gave it to Google mm. and sort of with a <laughs> deal that they would cooperate with any, you know, any kind of uh, whatever fruitfulness that they might, you know, yeah, yeah. develop as they continue to develop it in the private world. The government would always be involved able to in have that. the backdoor yeah. access. Yeah, exactly. They always want yeah. backdoor access to this shit. Right. Yeah. yeah, the CIA has its own in-house um, venture capital firm called Incutel, where they basically fund, you know, startups and private sector projects like that. Mm -hmm. That might serve their own interests down the line. I did one of those sleep studies once. Oh, you did when I was younger. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I've always had. Pretty serious That's insomnia. Yeah, it wasn't the same. Insomnia. It wasn't like the memory study like you're doing. But I did one of those things where, you know, you go into a hospital and yeah. they hook a bunch of electrodes to my head. Yeah. And I'm supposed to go to sleep in this bed. And I did not sleep at all, all night. Yeah, because you have electrodes. Yeah, I'm laying in bed with electrodes. It's like goop and shit in your head. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, okay, <laughs> yes, we've reached the conclusion that you <laughs> can't, can't sleep. sleep. <laughs> yep. You still get sleep. It wasn't very conclusive. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you did the one that Oliver did. You did a separate one. No, totally yeah, different. Yeah, because yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. we're not studying people's sleep to help them with their insomnia. We're trying to train <laughs> them to be better soldiers. I see. And it's like a totally people because it's called a sleep study because we're studying oh. something during sleep, but we're not studying them at all. Like that's a whole different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, but I, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people what they don't understand about back doors though. Like the government always wants a backdoor. I was I was hearing this from a coder's perspective. So if you build a backdoor into a program so that they can have access to it, mm -hmm. you're also giving access to any hacker out there. Mm. Is that, that's the that's the whole point of a backdoor is that you always have, mm -hmm. is that they always have access. And so obviously, if a hacker, all a ha hacker has to do is find it, mm. and then they have the same access that the government has. So it's not a very realistic thing to have that in every single. Yeah. Which is why things are getting hacked all the time. We had they were forced to install these backdoors that compromises security. Like inherent, like vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In that design. And it's really frustrating if you're a coder. You're trying to keep from. I don't remember where I heard this or which coder was talking about this. Where, but it was like we were talking about how frustrating it is to try to develop a secure system when the government is like keeps trying to tell you. We need yeah, this. yeah, yeah, but do it secure, but also make this back door. It's right. like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Zero-day exploit. Go in or out. There was a big landmark precedent-setting case not too long ago, you remember, between Apple and, I want to say the FBI, some intelligence agency, where they wanted, they were basically oh, yeah. suing them for the right to access anyone's phone through a back door. They wanted that implemented. And I think Apple ended up winning the case, Yes, yeah, it was. This is the same situation. Yeah, I heard about that. I think this is where I read. I was hearing about this. It's like it was an Apple. It's hard to believe that they can't hack into an Apple phone. Yeah, like the feds right. can't. But maybe maybe it's like the government so compartmentalized that one side of the government doesn't understand that it's yeah. possible. Yeah, and the other side is so secret. Yeah, a lot of people who are in power don't have the expertise to really regulate the things that they're tasked with regulating. They have, they don't have the no, the knowledge. They just have to trust their resident expert yeah apple's man if only we could get into apple phones gee whiz <laughs> yeah give you know, cool those, those are definitely the, the tightest oh, ones damn did you ever notice how in the bible whenever god needed to punish someone make an example 
But whenever God needed a killing, he sent an angel. Did you ever wonder what a creature like that must be like? The whole existence spent praising your God, but always with one dream dipped in blood. Would you ever really want to see an angel? And last night we were talking about um, what were we talking about last night? Biblically accurate angels. Mm -hmm. Oh, that yeah. was a fun discussion. We were talking about. Like, I want to see some pictures. Those cool like circles and you know, on circles with yeah, the eyes and like concentric circles, kind of vaguely mechanical looking entities. Peter, I think you'll like this. I forget the name. It's like Ephraim and like Nephilim. 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 Yes. Okay. And. There, there's also the offspring. Wait, the offspring of Nephilim. Yeah, there's a really kind of goofy part of the of the book of Genesis where the Nephilim, which were angels, right. looked down on Earth and saw the beauty of human women, and came down and I guess raped or oh. I don't know. I don't know what the the, the discussion of consent yeah. described. There was a little weird, but yeah, mated Ragnated. with immaculately human conceived. woman and created like hybrid angel humans. Yeah, yeah. Nephilim humans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Goliath. Oh. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because they're supposed to be, like, of giant stature. Oh, yeah. So maybe Goliath. What was Goliath? Babylonian? With Philistine. Philistine. He was a Philistine. That was a, that was a people group back then. Now it's just, like, a term for, like, you're a knuckle dragon. <laughs> but they were an old giants. He joined them, but he was, like, a Nephilim okay. giant. Yeah, Interesting. Then... We have um, a, a biblical history consultant here with us today. <laughs> yeah. And below the Legit. Nephilim was the, the four-winged angels. The one, they have wings to cover their face, wings to cover their body, and then actual wings for flying. Six. Six wings. Yeah, Six so wings, wow. They are called the... Uh, seraphim. 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 Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yes, and then the ones below that are the, the ones who have the four heads, the heads of the different animals. No. And a lot of people compare those to similar stories. If they were seen by like the ancient Egyptians, they look a lot like they even are described in the Bible as having hooves. You could find you could read a lot about it in the Book of Ezekiel. Okay, mm. yeah. The chimera. Is that one? The chimera. I chimera. think so. Chimera, I was thinking yeah. of the. Chimera. There's another word for it, but it's like it has Chalupa. the wings and Chalupa? the head of a, the face of a human, like a king. Uh -huh. The face of a king and the wings of a. Of an eagle and hooves and stuff like that, yeah. And hooves, and that's that's that the next demonic. level down of the angels. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize there were that many different kinds of angels yeah. in the Bible. Those are super holy ones, and they just go yeah. around saying holy, holy, holy. So that last one, say that again. There were four different animals. Four different, different animals' ways. faces. Yeah, there's like a. Yeah. I think a human face, a horse huh. face, and like a uh, one of those. I horn, wonder if it's sort animals. of like. Implying the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, of some kind of like imbuing animal kind too. Is it almost like you can almost see it as like tears or something, you know, yeah. of consciousness or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like well, that's what the it is. Animal kind, there's like the angels, other kinds of angels and humans. That's exactly what it is. That's really interesting. And then like the whole, the whole like cherubs. Uh -huh. Like those are like the lesser angels that are like, and that that's what they were. That's mm. what we have been told that they look like, but the original biblically accurate angels were the ones with the four... Cherubim. The four faces, and the that, four heads. It's hard to like, swallow. How do you... you know, I, I mean, it's it's really, a lot more scary to think about and look at. And like, I wonder like what, the little naked babies on the painted on the ceiling of Bukati Beppo. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, I thought that was the artistic license. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was. But that was pulling from a resource or something. That was pulling from Roman sculpture. They wanted to make it more appealing and less and more distinguished from, probably more distinguished from the tribes that they were. I see that. Right. Well, that probably has a, a lot to do with like the cultural exchange of the Roman Catholic Church into pagan Asian. cultures, where they, you know, yeah. concept. That's where like polytheism bleeds into monotheism and you have right. like iconography and sainthood and yeah. all those things. It's funny how Pan was a lot like how we portray the devil now. Mm. He's like a hooved, yeah. bare-chested The, the word angel actually literally means messenger. Mm-hmm. So anybody that God calls on to go and bring a message is an angel. And he mm-hmm. often used created beings, you know, the angels that were created either with us or before us. I'm not, mm-hmm. there's, there's no real certainty of that. Mm. Okay. Our biblical history consultant is also my dad, by the way. That, <laughs> that reminds me of um, what you were talking about last night, Jimmy, about um, near-death experiences where, depending on what um, like faith you were raised in or like what your sort of cultural you know, and visual reference point is for a, a otherworldly being or an angelic being um, is how these things present when people describe them in, in near-death experiences or also in, like, DMT trips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a near-death experience, but I've just been listening to a lot of them and noticing some patterns. Yeah. That is one of them. They're almost always greeted by these kinds of disembodied spirits, Sometimes they they do show up, you know, like as angels or as um, Jesus. Um, to some people, it's a great river that appears that they kind of fly over. To some people, they fly over like a, a gate. It, I mean, it, it varies. I don't know if it depends on how long you're dead or, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's so specific to their experience. And it's also specific to what you remember after you die. So, because uh, a lot of them seem to lose their memory of, of this experience. And some of, them, some of them like ask to keep it. But it seems like... The ones who were able to remember the most and have had the most like in-depth experience have like, gone through the tunnel into the other kind of heaven realm and still come back from it, describe these beings, kind of disembodied beings, kind of angels, kind of messenger angels. And they also talk about being greeted by your loved ones, too. Oh, like they're that's so cool. greeted by their grandmother, their grandfather. The Lakota way? Yeah, yeah. Like some, some, the person who described it to me this way uh-huh. was saying... Like, all his friends and relatives were there, and all his ancestors, they were there, you know, yeah. waiting in a teepee with a fire that's already um, running. And, like, it wasn't a near-death experience. It's just what they were, that they've been told based off of yeah. stories, oral traditions passed down from other people's, I'm assuming, near-death experiences. Probably. It's well, got to be, yeah. right? Yeah, I sound like the kernel of truth there. What's that, um, that Tommy Lee Jones says at the end of No Country for Old Men? Uh, that? Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah! I love that movie. And it's like vaguely about death or the experience of the afterlife. And he describes, you know, riding a horse and being passed on the road yeah. by someone who's carrying a fire and like a horn. Yeah, yeah. I had dreams. Both had my father in them. It's peculiar. And I was a horseback going through the mountains of the night. Snow on the ground. He rode past me and kept on going. Never said nothing going by. Just rode on by. When he rode past, I seen he was carrying fire and a horn the way people used to do. And I, I could see the horn from the light inside of it, about the color of the moon. 
And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there and all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. So, yeah, that definitely parallels more of the experience that I've heard too. So, yeah, yeah so a lot of times we'll have a life review. Um, it's a non-judgmental kind of life review where they experience every interaction they have with another person, their whole life, basically. And they get to see it from the other side and feel it from the other side. So, Because some people talk about, you know, the, their life flashed before their eyes, but that was before they actually died in their uh. body, separated from their body. Mm -hmm. um, and then had the life review, which was a much slower process, much more involved you know, kind of outside time and kind of whatever next level up in that realm, beyond realms, uh -huh. you know, like, and then comes back and returns after some time. That's yeah, you were saying it's like slowed down and they can rewind and like, it's not necessarily like you're being judged. It's like you're part of the process. And it's all, returning is always really, really hard because they also, it's almost like they have experienced some kind of breakage. Like their essence and their spirit has like expanded beyond like, and it's hard to fit back into that old, this old vehicle, this body, and to go back into and to have experienced pain again. They talk about the weight of the body, how heavy our bodies feel now. Oh yeah. Um, and the longer they're there, they start to lose like all of their cultural beliefs too. Mm -hmm. Not just like their like gender and the specifics of the faith. They transcend to a simpler, higher kind of wow. you know existence. Where yeah, like people would forsake their attachments to their like certain jobs or material things. Like a um, kind of ego death. Yeah, but it's, it's also a rebirth, and a lot of the time it's a, a, a they're super surprised by it because they kind of expect they don't expect anything. Some of them don't, you know. Some of them are atheists before, and then experience this light of love and God kind of like embracing them and are moved by it and they also are sort of enlightened almost right like right away into like this kind of into some of the schemes of god not like all, all of them but there is a kind of you could call it like a council so you could call it like a council of angels potentially all scheming towards like in conversation with you like do you want to go back how do you want your life to be there was the one who got injured in iraq in, in this war and she their car hit an ied she died and she basically while the time stopped during the explosion and she got to like sort of comb through all of the different kinds of injuries she had to pick for herself and she picked like losing her right arm and Whoa. having to like relearn how to and she saw her whole life with this injury before and chose to come back and experience it wow um that's crazy i've thought about that before like if you could pick one limb to lose what would you yeah like, you think a leg but it's actually pretty hard to like being mobile with one leg is pretty hard even though you use your hands for everything, probably be better to lose an arm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a toss-up for me. I guess yeah. I would pick my right arm because that's what I write with. Uh -huh. But also, like, my left arm is what I masturbate with. So that would be <laughs> too. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One universal among all near-death experienced people is they lose their fear of death once they come back. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost they're almost excited for it because they know like they said like the pain goes away immediately. There's like this kind of like even sweet kind of music sound, mm. even like when this one guy drowned mm -hmm. like, wow. in the water. But the there is a darkening of our kind of physical body kind of darkens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what I mean by some people kind of maybe just go there. And that's why I don't know if I like the term near death experience because it's really a death experience. It's a post death experience. You know, and I think I think like. People who have like close calls, I've had a lot of close calls too, you know, and I will call those near death, but you know, I haven't had an out of body experience and I haven't experienced 
that. So I, I just feel like it should be called almost like a, something else. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of confusing. Like it depends on the definition of death. Yeah. Yeah. Our definition of death of death has changed as medical technology has advanced. It used to be you're alive and then you're dead, but now you know there's like a body death, there's like a heart death, but then there's still brain, brain activity. activity, brain death. Yeah. 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 And when you do lines. die, they say your your brain releases a lot of DMT. Yeah. Which is the same molecule that trips you out when you're two years old. When you're under the age of two, you're basically tripping your whole life. Really? Yeah, like, Tuck there's just back. so much. Yeah, like, that's why kids are always like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, oh, freaking out so about like, these huge highs and these huge lows. And, yeah. Oh, like, so crazy. and every time we dream, we release a little bit of it. And, yeah. Um, and then you can take ayahuasca. And I've never done that, but you can, you can take ayahuasca and artificially create that. And a lot of people say that they mm. learn a lot about themselves and about death. Mm-hmm. Through that, through that medicine, and a lot of tribes use it spiritually in a very sacred, special, careful way. Yeah. And I, you know, if I was to do it, I would definitely do it with a practitioner, someone who's experienced and who's taken people through these, like a shaman kind, kind of thing. Yeah. And there are people out there like that that I've met. Yeah. They've, you know, they don't charge that much, or they'll do it for free. You yeah. Know, if if you, if you you know you don't have any money, and they're really cool, really. Great people. If people from South America, you know, they fly up just to do to take like five or six people on a trip. Yeah, and I've never done it, but it'd be. I personally feel like because obviously there's some connection there. With like you said, when you die, DMT is released in your brain, and so like, what's that about? Also, why is it that when people trip on DMT, they have these kind of crazy experiences with like you know DMT elves or those kinds of things or yes similar realizations you experience on DMT are kind of similar to what people report experiencing during near death experiences yeah but I also feel like and the realizations they do people have out of body experiences with DMT yes all the time really yeah they 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 do have ayahuasca retreats here in Colorado they do I didn't know that I thought that was like a South America only thing like gotta fly out of here and really go far if you want to do it with a Native shaman. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, they probably even have them with native people here in Colorado. I feel like there's got to be still some differences between, like, an actual death experience and, like, a, a DMT, mm-hmm. like, trip. But I, I also wonder, like, but I imagine that integrating that message, not just hearing it, but integrating it in your life, probably the, the biggest thing, because our life is not, you can't, you, know, you obviously can't just trip all the time because you have to, like, even if this is a, an illusion, it's a useful illusion to be aware of and to understand and to yeah. kind of live out. Yes, and be present in. Because there is something meaningful to this experience. Like, there's some journeyman, journey. a journeyman. Yeah. Yeah, you can, like, kickstart. We're learning here, doing things in this physical body that, like, we, even in as part of the light where we came from, can't understand because to understand the deeper layers of what it means to be one of the beings of light and love and that kind of thing is kind of... And also, I, I've heard that there's a, our aliens have a fascination with our, that light and love, that soul that we have. Because they don't have that, the grace, anyway, mm-hmm. not the, specifically. But, oh, okay. Yeah. And they're trying to understand where this comes from. Because they've called us, like our bodies, like containers. Um, like our physical body is like a vehicle. And to them, I imagine, their technology allows them to maybe have some kind of consciousness inference. Like, okay, we can kind of see beyond the limitations we have now with their technology, whatever. But they don't. They aren't imbued with that kind of god light. They aren't like a creation of this Gaia thing or whatever. And so are kind of on the outside looking in, trying to understand our most yeah. basic thing. That light. The you know. Have you heard of the hologram theory? A true hologram is like even if you cut one tiny slice of it, it represents the whole still. So we're like little god holograms. 
created in God's image. It's a non-local soul essence created in God's image. And that sort of is what imbues our body. That's what enters the body and what controls it and what, what we are, our awareness. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing about the DMT before we go into the next? Yeah. Because I really do want to talk about all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just realizing while you guys were talking that uh, DMT should be used, because I don't, I don't use trippy plants. I go to sweat lodges, you know, uh-huh. um, because I, I, I get the similar experience. I'm like a more low-key, a low-dose and pain-induced, <laughs> suffering-induced yeah. method, methodology. But um, for me, it's, it's useful for when I want to change something about my life. So mm-hmm. it's like, if, if you want to go to the light, to the source, and learn something yeah. that's very valuable to you, you're probably going to end up changing something dramatic about your life. Like, oh, shit, I have to quit my job. Yeah. Oh, shit, I, I have to leave my husband or whatever, you know? Yeah. You know, if somebody knows something's extremely wrong with their life, they should do something like that to help them figure it out, mm. you know? Uh, <clears throat> oh, shit, I should yeah. change my faith or anything big, like... You don't realize that, and you just know something's wrong until uh-huh. you until you you know take that leap, you know until you, and that's why people get obsessed with it and they start to trip out all the time. And you're like, you want to tell them like, you got it, you got the message, like get get back to life, get back to reality. Back to life, back to reality. Back to life, back to reality. You know, like be satisfied with that message, you know, because, because then eventually you start to have bad trips and you start to have like, because there's no message to be had at that point. You're just indulging mm-hmm. and, um, trying to, trying to grab more out of it. You're going to get the same message over and over again, or you're going to get negative messages because you're, you're doing something, you're using a medicine irresponsibly. That's what, how I think you should use yeah. the DMT, you know? Do you think that people tend to, um, always want kind of a set of guidelines or rules to follow and so when they get that message they don't know what to do with it it's like okay now how do i apply this to my life and so they keep going back kind of Uh, looking for those answers yeah oh yeah that makes a lot of sense because it's hard to integrate it it's hard to integrate it we all need guides and our culture is very inept when it comes to guiding the children. It's like the blind leading the blind these days. Mm-hmm. And going back all the time, it always leads to the same thing you're saying. And so it's almost like it's a, it's like a repeated failure. Yeah. You know, because you're never getting really what you're seeking, and you just end up then developing like a psychosis, yeah, you know, an obsession. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, some yeah. people definitely burn themselves out on like mind-altering drugs. Yeah. It happens. It's the American way. You take something good and you just go really hard on it until you turn it into a poison. Mm -hmm. Too much of a good thing. I tried DMT a couple months ago. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Share. Well, I could tell it was actually DMT because it has a very signature smell. It smells like a a footlocker. It's got like a rubber sneaker smell. What what is it usually, like what form does it usually come in? It's a root usually, how it's harvested. It's not the same as mushrooms or... No. I read about it like years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Some really trippy experiences. Yeah. People kind of connect with the the, uh, spiritual world, the unseen world. Right, yeah. Peyote comes from a cactus and mescaline comes from the same thing. I don't think you can really get mescaline anymore. It used to be a pretty popular drug yeah. when I was in my 20s. It's called mescaline. It's the only way to fly. Did you see angels or elves? Or... No, I did not yeah. break through to encountering any DMT entities, but I did have some like 
I don't know if you call them open eye hallucinations, or I don't know, maybe my eyes were closed, but I was seeing some stuff. Um, but it was really hard to get enough to like break through. You know, I'd take a couple hits and be like, uh, you know, things start to get weird. You start to get those like fractally geometric hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get very far past that. So I'm trying to like, I'm hyperventilating, trying to get as much of it as I can before I'm like incapacitated. Yeah. And I finally got to a point where I started to float upwards out of my body and I saw like an environment, kind of felt like being in the sky, you know, it was like kind of a peachy orange like sky environment and I'm floating up toward like this crystalline city. It looked kind of like that Super Smash level we were playing last night, the temple level. Yeah. Like just this kind of floating structure in the sky. And oh, Going wow. up to it. Yeah. But then it started to get kind of scary, or not scary, but I started to feel this like overwhelming feeling of depression. Ah. Um, I'm not sure what that was. You know, maybe I was confronting something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at that point, I was pretty incapacitated, so I couldn't really take another hit, so I floated upward for a while and then started to come to and that was that and I haven't tried it since it, yeah it was pretty intense yeah oh man so you wait were you sitting down when this happened yeah I was when sitting you, on my couch and and were you depressed that you weren't getting to be part of the crystalline city or that that it even existed in the first place that's a good question I don't know I wasn't depressed at all like going into it but it's sort of I like re-encountered in a very palpable way feelings of depression that I've felt in the past. Oh, yeah, I became yeah. very aware of, mm-hmm. like, just sort of the nature of an existence of yeah. that, like, big sad that is yeah. kind of out there. And since the clouds come in. Yeah. yeah. Like that big, empty feeling yeah. kind of depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like, you know, hmm. you know, once or twice in my life, I've been in a place where I've felt, like, something akin to that. But I was kind of re-encountering it, which, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's a post-rationalization, but there could be some, like, purpose for that, you know, for, like, encountering the reality that, you know, there is, like, a full spectrum of emotional experience that is real and that I am capable of feeling. Like, it's hard to climb out of depression, but after you get out, it's tempting to just be like, oh, that no, that doesn't, I'll never feel like that again. But, you know, life yeah. is a lot of up and downs, and I'll probably feel that again at some time in my life, so... Yeah, it was like a very real and present and palpable way of confronting the full spectrum of emotional reality and then also a weird crystal city in the sky that yeah, I was that's floating cool. to for some reason. Yeah. I'd like to try it again, but huh. I haven't had well, I guess it sounds like you still have some. Yeah, yeah, I still have some. Well, it reminds me of people who uh, have a traumatic experience. I'm not saying this is you, but like they, they, uh, they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Nobody wants to deal with... Like, you suppress and compartmentalize. Yeah, for yeah, a while. Yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, usually when you when you smoke weed or you do DMT or something like that, it basically forces you mm-hmm. to go back and do what you really needed to do this whole time, which is confront it, mm-hmm. work through it and understand it and accept it and be like, hey, hello, depression, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, I'm here, it's okay, everything's going to be all right getting through it in a way that most people don't like most people do not actually sit with their difficult emotions most people bury it in some way yeah 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 when you say you float out of your body you're talking about you know near-death experiences and out-of-body you, you would say that was an out-of-body experience it wasn't like very similar to that like when i was in middle school i've i've had also what i would describe as out-of-body experiences but it was very different this was a very literal sort of hallucination of 
my perspective just floating upwards. I and think being that was just from the mold in, in the building there. Maybe. That's, it's, <laughs> well, it's public it's school. school. Yeah, public school. Yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. This, there was this one mirror in the in the bathroom adjacent to like the gym cafeteria, cafe, caffeinasium, gymateria, um, <laughs> and something about this one mirror would always trigger out of body experiences. Really? But it was it was not like a visual or physical one. It was like more like an ego death. It was like the context of my perspective would switch to where I didn't feel within myself as a singular individual. I saw myself in the mirror as this person that other people see and have mm-hmm. like a multitude of different relative subjective perceptions of. And it was kind of cool. It wasn't a bad feeling, but it was like, oh, I'm like this to so many other people. I'm just like this this thing, this guy that they maybe kind of know and think of in all these different ways. Yeah. And it was interesting to feel that outside because, you know, you kind of can get caught up in, like, your own relative perspective of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for some reason, that one mirror just would... Something would about this one mirror, yeah. Huh. I went yeah. back there at one point later, like, after I had graduated, and I went and, like, looked in that mirror to see if I could do it again, but it didn't happen. <laughs> just like in the Matrix. <gasps> yeah, it was all like Matrix. gooey, and I touched it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think DMT could be a kind of... A chemical which would help you transition out of the body. I think that might be why we really sit in death. It's almost like a... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. You know? That makes a lot of sense. It eases transmission. But the question is, why evolutionarily would that be installed? Right, what is the fitness of having this whole super complex system when you're just going to die right afterwards? Maybe it's not it's helping you reproduce. or There's no like, selfish gene yeah, yeah. impetus behind it. It's hard to see the selfish yeah. gene up in design. Because also it's super energy taxing too on the brain. Mm-hmm. Your brain yeah. goes into the super high energy yeah. mode where it's consuming all the glucose. Maybe it's because people come back and then... Yeah. It gives... It gives uh, oftentimes people do come back to life, you know, after their near-death experience. And so they can come tell their tribe, like, it's wonderful. And then everybody... It's fitness. Because think about all the hope that gives to the tribe. Yeah, more of a social but I also feel like you could also see it the other way too. Where maybe our primary function isn't to just evolve and be the yes. uh, survivor of the, the, the toughest species or whatever, but to have the journeyman experience. Maybe that's really like the the primary objective. Do yeah. all animals experience this DMT release? Oh, that's a good that? question. I think oh, it's also in plants that. too. Even plants? plants. They've been finding DMT like everywhere. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the biblical narrative basically says that we're, you know, we are born dead. Mm-hmm. There's physical death and there's spiritual death, and how Adam died mm-hmm. the yeah. moment that he, you know, chose not to believe God, right. and so God took his spirit out of him, and so he died spiritually, and so we're born dead. Anyway, yeah, I just, I just was curious if you, you know. We're aware that that was that. You guys are actually describing the biblical narrative of uh, you know, life and death. Yeah, it also reminded me of the biblically act- accurate angel thing we were talking about. The forehead animals you kind of imply, symbolize that animals are have that. Maybe because of also another sign would be the DMT thing, pointing to their kind of. DMT entities. God, yeah, like we found DMT in animals, they found DMT in plants and things. Yeah. And so I'm wondering 
Yeah. If they also have some kind of awareness or consciousness that's like probably like a lesser to a slightly lesser level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do well, other people describe that when they do DMT, like being able to see themselves sitting talk, on oh, the couch? Yeah. Oh, on DMT, you know. I don't know about that either. I watch a lot of near death experience encounters, and so they talk about that a lot. Right. With DMT, you've never heard about that. I don't know just... enough people who did DMT anymore that I can ask yeah. them those questions anymore. They all died. They, they all died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, did, I did know for a bunch for a while. Yeah. Back in Florida. And Timmy, you gotta play, figure this out for us. <laughs> are, you, are you looking it up, Tim? Yeah. Oh, so totally looking it up. You can just ask all your Florida friends. Hey, yeah. y'all done DMT before? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure maybe like 1% of yeah. them have done it. Some of them are like. There's some potheads over there. I'm sure that yeah, there's sure. some people who've done DMT. Oh, drugs are a huge deal in Florida. At least oh, yeah. Southern Florida. You know, you're in well, Orlando, there's um, right? yeah, I'm in Orlando. Or... There's like fake weed that they have there. It's um Delta Delta Eight. Yeah. Delta 8. yeah, it basically feels the same. Basically, as weed. I haven't noticed a difference. Really. <laughs> it still shows so. up as weed on a drug test. Exactly. It doesn't actually like come out negative on a drug test. the evolutionary adaptability of it being yeah. happy is being fit it's not just about being tough mm-hmm. like if you if your whole tribe has something it's to look gone. forward to yeah. you know in death then they are more productive and happy people you know what i mean yeah and then you have, you have better fitness as well. yeah that's why i asked if uh, animals also experience it because certain animals developed um, social fitness as opposed to just individual fitness um, you know, and humans are like the like wolf full yeah super like wolves. social very socially right. I can look it up right now. Yeah, yeah. Do animals? Because I'm sure there's been studies on this. Mm-hmm. Wolves are that's a, that'd be a great topic. Years ago, like they used to hunt them down and kill them because you know they were would kill other animals and they thought that they were bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and after removing wolves, virtually, you know, where they were almost extinct, yeah, uh, they oh, noticed yeah. a lot of like bad things happening in the environment. Right. Like, even the other animals were not prospering. You know? Yeah, they play really So I guess if you have to run, you know, tear ass and run in fear from a wolf, it you know, keeps you healthy and active. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But if there's no wolves around, you just kind of get lazy and, you know, unconcerned and complacent, you know? You overgraze. Yeah. And then when they, like here in Colorado, oh. uh, when they reintroduced the wolves, they noticed after, you know, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years, like, the extreme difference in how much the environment improved oh, yeah. overall mm-hmm. because of the wolves being yeah. there. That's know? huge. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to donate to. The only things I donate to is the wolves. Like, it's like yeah. they're trying to, they're trying to like, create legislation to get rid of wolves in the Northeast now. And it pisses me yeah. off. Who's doing that? It's, 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 it's really Farmers bizarre. Farmers fucking... People yeah, who are worried about their goddamn chickens. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's people who are worried about their chickens yeah. and their cattle. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. They're, they're assholes. They're livestock, essentially, yeah. Yeah. Those are the I people mean, who are against it. I get their reasoning. They're trying to make a living off of their wolves and chickens. Yeah. But, you know... Build if you the look, higher fence. Yeah, like, the whole the course of a river path will change as a result of the wolves being That's present right. or not. That's actually uh, what the report contained that as, as well. It actually changed the course of rivers. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, because what happens is they, they'll eat 
the bunnies so they don't become too populous. And so the bunnies won't eat such a diverse array of plants. So we have more diversity of plants next to the rivers. So uh -huh. they're able to hold the riverbank still so that the river can, the river will go back and forth like it's supposed to. And then more of the land is being fertilized right. and mm -hmm. given water as opposed to this just right. straight and line just river erodes, that just goes right through. Know, it erodes yeah. the, oh, the shores of the river and yeah. uh, they become straighter and then you get like these rifts, you know. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Need wow. wolves, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, Laura and I had a great experience. Uh, we went to that. Um, it's like past divide, um, uh, but anyway, they have yeah. a wolf uh, preserve up there, and we went up there. Yeah, and, like we actually made friends with the wolves. Like they're really pretty um, docile. docile, you know, yeah. for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and they they actually like humans. I mean, they're not afraid of humans. Like they will. The uh, guide, you know, had us all howl like wolves. Oh yeah! And like so we started dance. howling, and then the they whole are. preserve of wolves Whoa. started howling with yeah, us. Yeah, that is really cool. And it was like the coolest thing. That's super it fun. It was so cool. Like they were just joining in and singing with us. Like that's I have it. I taped cool. it. I, I'll, I'll let you guys listen to it later. I'm sure I can find yeah, it. That's it's, it's really cool. And there, I heard on I think it was Succession. It was like this meth head with a wolf tattoo was described. There's like a theory that. That's how humans developed language, was in order to domesticate wolves because we needed to use like verbal commands or something like that, yeah. and that eventually, you know, we use that to communicate with each other as well. I don't know if it's true. There's also the stoned ape hypothesis that we developed as a result of taking psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah, like something about the migratory patterns of like Cro-Magnon man or whatever aligned with buffalo migratory patterns, which they're poop grows the right kind of mushroom, mushroom where it would be possible that we would you know <laughs> pick it and eat it but then like when you are tripping on mushrooms you experience synesthesia which is where you like crosswire your sensory experiences so mm -hmm. it can be like and smell sounds smell sounds and you can see colors and <laughs> you can hear colors you can hear colors <laughs> no you can see colors <laughs> yeah you can see colors <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the idea is that that led to like that led to associating sounds with certain meanings, and then right at that time there was like an explosive development of the neocortex. You know, that's when it all. Whoa, that's awesome! What crazy? Oh yeah, and in response to the thing about other creatures, the yeah, yeah. DMT, there is a study out there that I just found just now that says that. A, a subset of rats, not all rats, experience a, an increase in DMT when they have heart failure. Yeah, when they're experiencing heart failure. DMT. DMT. Uh -huh. they, so even for them, so that you know they're not necessarily communicating to each other. I sound bad. A little mousy. Oh, interesting. Um, it's a little mousy. It's a little yeah. mousy. He's talking about you know seeing Shadows. angels and stuff. Huh. They just—it's just a benefit. Maybe that disproves my whole theory, which is what I wanted to happen. Because that would yeah. mean that, like, it's not just an evolutionary adaptation. It's like, it's actually something else, like something for our, you know, individual oh, you benefit. Mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, right? Which means, I mean, uh -huh. if you individual believe in benefit. God, it, it, it could be something that God just gave us as mercy. a gift yeah. of mercy mm -hmm. for all animals, so that when you're dying, you're not terrified. It, you're, you get that feeling of calm and peace, and it, it's, ex yeah. it's acceptable. Yeah. I wonder I, if a rat angel would look like a bat. 
<laughs> That's just a wing yeah, rat. It's so beautiful. I would say I've got lots of anecdotal evidence in my life that there is like a merciful, benevolent force out there. You know, I call it great spirit. And yeah. People I, I sweat with call it Wakantanka, Tumkashula, God. They even call it God in sweat lodges a lot of times. Um, there's a lot of room for embracing, accepting Christianity in the sweat lodge as well. And those are all just names yeah. for the same thing. Yeah. yeah. The same person, maybe, you know. Yeah. And it makes sense to me. I mean, based off of experiences that I've had, that they're, I've, I've been given, like, like, merciful solutions and answers to my questions and my prayers have been answered. And to me, it makes sense that there's, like, a force, you know, out there, so. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that's cool that you've experienced that and made it real. You know, I can I can take accountability for the parts that I put into motion. Like, because when you do a prayer, they say you're planting seeds. You know, if you do a prayer properly, you have to go out and actually put in the work afterwards to help grow that plant. Like water it. Water it, yeah, yeah. exactly. They even have a, a symbol for that in the sweat lodge, which is like a rattle full of seeds, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, when we're, we're drumming the drum, it's like the heartbeat, right? And... Uh, and then we also have the rattle that we use sometimes. It's like we're planting seeds of prayers and like stuff that we pray for. And um, the ritual is all like all, all the little parts of the ritual that we do going into the lodge and the, the numbers of rounds there are and the numbers of songs there are and the songs we sing are all a, like a methodology for helping to understand uh, a greater power, a greater influence, or helping to communicate with that. And uh, we communicate through the stones like there's a person who pours water on the stones and he like runs the ceremony and leads the ceremony but you're not really supposed to be paying attention to him you're supposed to be paying attention to the stones and the stones are what teach you the lessons there are they're called our grandfathers if you really want to learn about the world who better to ask than you know people who have been here the longest it's like the stone people yeah and like the stoned people <laughs> Yeah, so through those experiences, I've I feel like I've gained an understanding that I believe, you know, that kind of That's stuff. Interesting. Again, it uh, goes along with the Bible narrative. Um, there's a verse in the Bible about the stones crying out. Like some of the apostles were annoyed by the children, you know, that were present because they were just being loud and boisterous, and you know they were telling them, "Be quiet, be quiet." And Jesus says, "No." Jesus basically puts them in their place by saying, you know, no, let them, you know, let the children come to me. Like, even if you were to silence them, the stones would cry out in their place. Like, so it's kind of, a, you know, just an interesting how these things are all connected, even in like um, real old world religions that are not, you know, based in on Christ or focused on Christ, Christianity. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of interwoven and they all kind of carry that same or similar message yeah like the griffin and the sphinx and the angel all having similar body types Mm -hmm. and that's all totally different cultures and different realms like experiencing different things oh yeah and then the aliens um like those Uh the the we were talking earlier about biblically accurate depictions of angels and how they're like Like these circles that look like machines with eyes all over them read the book of ezekiel Mm -hmm. that whole description it's pretty wild yeah sounds really trippy yeah. yeah, and you'd imagine like the way that they have been described to move is like similar to what you would like what we've heard of from like alien encounters. Mm-hmm. They like you know fly down and then relay relay a message yeah. telepathically and then fly away. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've mm-hmm. always believed that like 
what people see as aliens are just actually sightings of angels, you know. Yeah. Lots of people actually have or do, you know, have encounters with angels and sometimes not even realizing it, you know, mm-hmm. that we're unaware of it. I always thought it was interesting how, like, sort of the mythos, the modern mythos around aliens and alien sightings has a lot of symmetry to what in older times was described as, like, the fae or fairies or elves, little green men. Mm-hmm. You know, back then it was like, we didn't have as much of a preoccupation with space as a frontier, mm-hmm. but wilderness, the green world, was this yeah. otherness, yeah. this, You're like, putting it. threshold. Yeah. And there's a lot about the mythology that's like very similar. Like we think of elves and fairies as like Santa Claus or Keebler elves or like Lord of the Rings, but they were like yeah. kind of scary. There was like weird sexual experimentation and like kidnapping yeah. and rape, interbreeding to create like with elves. Oh yeah, with, they would steal elves. babies and replace they'd them with steal babies. Really? There was like weird time yeah, dilation. Like, like great like ab- ab- abductions. Right. Yeah. 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 Time yeah. dilation, which is also like a main fairy realm feature. And yeah, if you yeah. if you like walk into a a, a, a mushroom ring or whatever. Yeah. But also yeah. like alien abductions. That's like a like one of the main things is you lose time. Lose time, and also they're obsessed with your your sex organs. Right. 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 Why? I don't. Yeah. They they're trying to figure out like. Like, what is love? What is love? What is love? And probe, also, they're anally probe them. They want to get hybrids <laughs> out of this. Hybrids. It's yeah, genetics. Yeah. Genetics. And there have so, been other things discovered too, like in wombs of cattle. Weird experiments gone wrong, kind of. What? In wombs of cattle? You know how they're always like. Cattle mutilations. Cattle mutilations are what? really well. Yeah, that's. I haven't heard of these. That's confirmed. Like gestate. I mean, if you, if you like. There's a really good show on uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh huh. And there's. I mean, one episode, they you literally like you see a cow and then you watch. It, it, it freaks out and it's come back two minutes later and it, like it's like a laser perfectly precise that much like the precision of a laser the slice cut right through like a lightsaber you know wow. and also some of the organs were already perfectly removed in the matter of like two minutes oh like God. vital organs were just gone Jeez. and half of the other cow was just gone and there's no blood anywhere oh weird super weird what the fuck? Oh, there's more. So, some people speculate that the cattle mutilations are, have something to do with, like, it's because our, it's one of our main food supplies, and they almost never, you know, they're out in the open where they're easy to find. And, yeah. And it could also be something related with genetic testing and, like, hybrid testing and using the wombs, yeah. kind of growing right. hybrids <laughs> in the wombs of cattle. That's crazy. So, yeah. You could either take that to mean, you know, like the Occam's razor interpretation is that there's just something about the human psyche that has, like, a, a prefixation with an archetype of otherness that yeah. manifests as something that we project across like a perceived frontier right, in right. convergent ways. Or, you know, the Occam's laser interpretation is it means that what we now call aliens is something that's always been real and been here, you know, yeah. in different cultures and we just call them different things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Bringing it back to near-death experiences, like mm-hmm. even Buddhist uh, interpretation during the Bardo Todol, which is the, the, oh, the yeah, life yeah. after the life, the next phase of the cycle. Book of the Dead. Okay. Book of the Dead. You yeah. have, uh, like in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, they talk about this. When you die, you confront God, and God is just light. God is just pure light, and you, yeah. if you look at God and accept the light, you get to be enlightened. If you didn't, even if you didn't reach enlightenment as a uh-huh. person on this earth, you can go try to reach it again after death. Uh-huh. Most people, 99.9% of people, see that light and they fear the intimacy and the truth and the love. 
They don't want to be exposed. And the warmth, yeah, and right. the exposure, and they look away. They turn away, and that's like it's 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 too hard to continue looking at the light. So the Book of the Dead says that ninety nine percent of people. Look I didn't. Away? I made up that number, but most people. You, you're saying that's like your kind of take on it. Is that you'd imagine in that situation? No, the Book of the Dead says that most people oh, okay. turn away from yeah. the light, and the Book of the oh, Dead says. Interesting. Even fewer people stay looking at the light and embrace the light, then there's another set of challenges afterwards. So right. let me just say that first and then I'll come back. We're like, the next set of challenges is you have to face your, all the things you're afraid of, all your demons. Uh -huh. And if you can defeat your demons, which is basically not by fighting them, but by realizing that they all come from within and accepting them. Mastering them, kind of. Yeah, mastering them, then you can also reach enlightenment. Then you don't have to go back into the cycle of life and death again. Okay. You can reach enlightenment that way, and then mo more people are able to defeat their demons than are able to embrace the light. The light, it's harder to embrace the light and the love, yeah. right, like by its, you know, an order yeah. of magnitude or something like that, than it is to just yeah. beat your demons. The most, but a lot of people, most people don't even beat their demons. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people come back to life, come back to earth in a new body. Yeah. And restart the cycle and try again in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the near-death experience encounters, they often talk about meeting a God as a light, oh, literal yeah. light. Yeah. Okay. And they talk about how people that they see back on Earth are like there's dark souls and light souls, and there's people who are just separated from God. You know, that kind of idea is very prevalent in all these encounters. You, you see these like light beings, and, and there is the option of absorbing, come, becoming one with the light again, like you were saying with the Book of the Dead, oh. or you can go back. And, like, it's not just as simple as, like, our only goal isn't just enlightenment. It's also, there's, a, there's like, a bigger God's plan that they speak of. Oh, I like that. they're that. kind of involved in. I like that. And so That's once they cool. kind of understand some of it or how they, how they can help, you know, execute it more, then it becomes more complex than just a personal enlightenment journey. Mm -hmm. It's like there's some kind of other thing that they could do to help bring about a, some kind of plan. And so some people reincarnate that way or go back to their old life and live out that, that plan. The current body, yeah. Yeah, or whatever it is for them individually. I'm going to edit the Drake song, God's Plan, into that. Yeah, <laughs> God's Plan. God's Plan. God's Plan. I hold back sometimes I won't. Yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't. Like. Last night, Jimmy, did you say something about people who have uh, near-death experiences sometimes experience with these like light entities mm -hmm. uh some kind of like orgiastic like light orgy experience <laughs> it's like almost sexual well it's like it's there's a it's it's the sounds we've never heard before like music we've never heard before and there's That's you cool. know a, a kind of a, a, a yeah a unification of light altogether. Mm -hmm. so what, what that would look you know who knows what that would be and but they say it's so great that it, coming back here is just like so so dreadful and so oh, hard yeah getting on this yeah. and they, when they come back here oftentimes they forget that their name they talk about themselves in the third person oh wow yeah this is really common too and they also um are really depressed and have to work through mm. this thing that they're in now you know because it's one thing to be like yeah i can do it you know and then, but now you're in the body now you have the pain yeah. and you know what exists i think maybe that's part of the reason why we're not like born with this knowledge i wonder yeah, that too why exactly why don't we why is it not just yeah in us right away mm -hmm. I guess you could say we were born unbelievers. We um, are, yeah. That's true about every single person. And yeah. I wonder, yeah, because there's also this one guy who was this kind of stodgy atheist academic person who was a, I think, a biology professor at some, you know, 
and he had a near-death experience, and his encounter was pretty interesting because he totally never bought the, into the whole Christian story or God story at all. And he was, as it was happening, he was still kind of wrestling with it, like, like my body, I'm leaving my body, I'm leaving my body, and then like you know going to this thing, and like it, it was just so hard for him to wrap his mind around, and and he was separated from God. He said like he went through like this really dark period where it, it's not just like there's dark beings like other humans who are in darkness it's like there's other astral beings astral beings who are also dark and they it's sort of a as reminiscent of like a hell situation where there's like there's um gnashing of teeth and like he talks about how it was like the worst experience he ever had and he used that as he used that expression the gnashing of teeth like he saw it yeah yeah like he was he talks about like being raped and that kind of thing and like kind mm. of being used and you could also see like some of those spirits being kind of like parasites, like kind of kind of parasitic, Whoa. like the life sucking them your life force kind of thing. And uh, I was talking about the Greys obsessed with our life force. Yeah, could kind of also be a parallel parasite slash demon thing. And uh, so he's he went through this horrible ordeal, and after experiencing like the worst parts of it, called out to God, and 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 uh, it all changed. Like he he was basically rescued from this point and was pulled out of it so i mean to me his and he was you could tell he was definitely he, he would talk about how like people knew him before his experience he was a completely changed person right yeah he was he also the materialism that he really bought into he said he had like all he said he had the big house and the cars and he said it was all hollow and he said i failed at life i completely failed at everything and um that's fascinating i'm like i'm like learning so much here right now oh, good you know it changed my belief perspective too i hearing these accounts because they're just so similar Mm -hmm. and some some of them are from like you know the 70s recorded and some of them are you know like in other languages or Mm -hmm. nowadays and so that was really compelling to me the the consistency of the story my theory like you know i believe heaven is a place on earth i believe hell is a place on earth and that's what jesus actually said like yehoshua Mm -hmm. actually said in the original like translation of the bible what did he say said that Sheol is a metaphor for where you go when you commit a sin. And for him, a sin was a loosely translated from an act of negative karma. You, you exist in it for a period of time, an eon, which translates to not an eternity. We, we've always translated it to eternity, but it's actually just a period of time. You're just going to be suffering. I've known that. I've, I've experienced that in my life. Like when you, when you do something that you know is wrong, you do it anyways, mm-hmm. and then you just feel like shit for like three months or like or passes. like a day or a few days, and then it passes. Yeah. yeah, and that's like apparently what Jesus said according to the like, original translation before the Roman emperors changed it. From what I've when I've been taught, what I've heard is like the Roman emperors changed it to make us better subjects. Yes, because we're more fearful if we believe that hell right. is a place you go that's eternal. Yeah, I I, I study the Bible a lot now in the original languages, you know, and every translation there is today, like English translation, I I mean, I don't, I haven't read any other translations, but there's a lot of English translations, and they're all, they all have intentional changes, yeah, to manipulate people, you know, and when you start looking at it in the original language, and you, and you start to see the changes, and, and, you, and then your eyes get open, like you realize, yeah. like this was done intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. God loves you, but also you have to pay the yeah. Catholic Church a lot of money if you don't want your relatives right. yeah. stuck in purgatory. They're trying to game yeah. the system for the game. Their own like, better exactly, like their own every like generation that translated the Bible and the modern translations. Some of them are even worse. Yeah, you know. Mm. Um, What's that one? The message that's like. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah. then God Got said, you. Suh, dude. Suh, it, it, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, it really is like... Uh, it's so far from oh, the, the, the original. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Shale in the original was an actual place uh, near, right near the city where they would throw their dead bodies after they like had the like, garbage. experienced... Oh, you're talking about hell? Like the original... The original word description. It's, it's like the two. It was like, you know, he said, it's like the he place said, where they put dead bodies. It was like a trash yeah, it was like, incinerator. It smelled like sulfur mm-hmm. and it's like hot because it's the Mediterranean. And it's yeah. like, and he'd say, you go to a place like that in your mind when you commit a sin or whatever. Right. Just, you just, you I think that truth seems to exist on more, yeah, like multiple levels. Like, yeah. There's kind of a physical separation and like also a mental one. And yeah. You could also bring heaven to earth now. Mm-hmm. That's also true on that level too, I think. Like, mm-hmm. Or you could bring hell here now, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you think of heaven and hell in, instead of a place, mm-hmm. um, a state of being, like... Mm-hmm. Florida. Like heaven, <laughs> heaven being Floridia. the state of intimacy in relationship with God, mm-hmm. therefore having God, mm-hmm. and hell being... A place of separation from God but if you were separated from God for eternity then you would be in a place where there was literally nothing okay mm-hmm. yeah you'd be in the dark you would be in a state of I, I think you would be in isolation mm-hmm. you know I'm not even sure that's entirely possible it's entirely possible where were we going with that what were we talking about oh I was gonna say earlier when I was asking you about the um, out-of-body experiences that are like light orgy experiences, I've heard <laughs> similar things described by people who uh, had DMT experiences, having these like quasi-sexual experiences with DMT entities. Oh, yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. I like the idea that, that like uh-huh. I like the idea that that these entities are like the astral plane equivalent to like skeezy Italian guys <laughs> preying on like a foreign exchange student like oh hello beautiful come hey. take a ride on my Vespa no, no, no. yeah yeah <laughs> just right taking around. advantage of spiritual tourists oh, Crystal City <laughs> oh my god yeah maybe that's what was that's the, the Crystal City. City. <laughs> that's the impression I'm getting Wait. from what you were saying yeah. about the aliens too like oh, what are they doing Coming down and like fucking with us, like why do they? Yeah, wanna, yeah. Why do they want to? These you know beings want us to know us about. Like, what are they fascinated with us for? Yeah, and, uh, you know, all animals procreate, uh-huh. but we're the only animals that combine extreme pleasure with sex. Except uh, for dolphins. Dolphins, dolphins are the only. Animals. Well, we're also always like the dolphins. Also bonobos. bonobos. Yeah, bonobos. Yeah, but bonobos. Yeah. That's like our. Someone who did have an out of body experience also did compare it to the afterglow of sex when you feel like. You can kind of do anything and yeah. just kind of... Dolphins are like the closest yeah. animal to humans, I guess. Yeah, like, bonobos. It's bonobos and chimps. Yeah. And bonobos are like yeah. all our best qualities. And chimps are like violent, right. warring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not qualities. like anything biblical. This is just my own yeah. kind of yeah. opinion about the, the joy and the pleasure of sex is that God was is giving us a foreshadowing or a peek uh-huh. at what it is like to have an intimacy with him. Yeah. And yeah. From from a physical perspective, it's like the closest thing that we can understand. Uh, not that we're going to have sex with God. I am not saying. But I think he he, he <laughs> cut but, it. We're gonna okay, do. thanks for joining us. On three, one, two, three. This, this is Friend Sim. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's good. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
I want to put out a big thank you to everyone who's listening and everyone who's been with us from the beginning. If you would like to help us with editing costs, we have finally started a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Frenson. <laughs> Do we have to say forward slash? Does anybody use a backslash ever anymore? <laughs> No, we don't really have to say for it. Patreon.com slash friendsim. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> you're family. Please consider donating whatever you think these episodes are worth to you. I like that one. Nothing. <laughs> Basically, if you donate any amount, you get access to all the bonus, premium, exclusive, after dark, <laughs> after behind dark. the paywall episodes. I like that one. Uncut. Uncensored. VIP. VIP. Very important patron. I didn't make rent last month. And uh... <laughs> a little bit of cash incentive. We might even uh, reach the ambitious uh, goal of one episode a month. How about that? <laughs> um, and, and if you have uh, topic requests, we will make it a part of our next episode. Oh, that's pretty cool. We'll do topic requests? I didn't know that. No matter what. That's, that's fucking cool. On this episode of Friends Sim... Race science. Rape science? Is that what you said? Race, race science. We're getting oh. out our calipers and reading from the bell curve. This is a fan request, and we are obligated to do it. 